All right, 2 Kings chapter 9, I want to preach to you out of this passage. Look in verse 27. The Bible says, But when Ahaziah, the king of Judah, saw this, he fled by the way of the garden house, and Jehu followed after him and said, Smite him also in the chariot. And they did so at the going up to Gur, which is by Iblim. And he fled to Megiddo and died there. And his servants carried him in a chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his sepulcher with his fathers in the city of David. And in the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, began Ahaziah to reign over Judah. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. This is probably one of the funniest passages in the Bible to me because of how plain the Scripture is. She painted her face. Now, if a preacher would say something like that, all the women would get upset with him. Oh, what are you talking? But that's what the King James says. <laughs> okay, anyways. All right, so she painted her face, tired her head, and looked out at a window. And as Je Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, Had Zimri peace who slew his master. And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses. So he got mad about it, and he trod her underfoot. He trod her underfoot, verse 34. And when he was come in, he did eat and drink and said, Go see now this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wherefore they came again and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Elijah, Elijah the Tishbite, saying, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, This is Jezebel. You see that? The dogs ate her. So I'm going to preach a sermon tonight called, What's Eating Her? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness to us tonight. Lord, we pray, God, that you'd help us. God, give me wisdom. Help me, Lord, to preach. God, present this message exactly, Lord, as you want me to present it. I pray you'd give me discernment, God, here, Lord, now, God, in the moment, God, Lord, as I stand here. Lord, uh, God, Lord, I, I just pray that you'd speak to hearts. Help us, God, to understand everything you've got for us. Help me, God, to say it correctly, clearly. Lord, where there's no misunderstanding, Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody and got a rough response back. I'm not going to make any eye contact, but I can guarantee you if you're married, you've gotten that before. Uh, even outside of your spouse, you, no doubt you've talked to somebody down at the workplace and they got a snide remark back and you said, man, what's eating them? And I'll tell you a lot of times what's eating them. Same thing that was eating Jezebel, something called consequences. And that's exactly what I want to preach to you tonight. That's what this message is about. I want to preach to you about consequences. A lot of times what's eating people's lunch is just nothing more than consequences. And I say nothing more than consequences, but that's a big deal. It's a big deal. I don't know if you realize how much of your Bible is dedicated to the, to the idea, the concept of actions and consequences. You know, that's, a, that's what the entire book of Proverbs is all about. You do this action, you're going to get this consequence. You do this action, and you'll get this other consequence. Uh, the, the law of Moses, starting in the book of Exodus and rolling all the way through down to the end of Deuteronomy, that's basically what it's about. Consequences. 
You start at the book of Joshua and you roll all the way to the end of the minor prophets. And you know what it is? It's a history of, of a people that belong to the Lord God in heaven who made decisions and they got consequences based on their decisions. That's, that's what life is about. Life is about consequences. And you better be careful about the decisions that you make because it's not going to be very long before your consequences come to devour you. They're going to come and eat your lunch. They're going to come and deal with you. Let me start out by reviewing something that has been preached here several times, and it's been adequately put, but I just want to remind you of it, that your rights extend to making decisions, and that's as far as they go. Your rights don't go any farther than that. You, at, at the point at which you make a decision after that, whatever takes place after that is out of your realm. That's in God's realm. So if you make a right decision, whatever takes place out of that, that's up to God. You make a wrong decision, whatever takes place after that is up to the Lord. That's a law called the law of sowing and reaping. And that law is severely underestimated. Severely underestimated. The Bible says because a sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. People look at the law of sowing and reaping and say, well, it's not here yet, so it must be okay. They look at the law of sowing and reaping and say, well, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Maybe I can just push a little bit further. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day where your consequences are going to come home to roost and you ain't going to stop them. It's going to come in full force much harder than what you thought. You can't, you can't go on and live just any old way that you want to live without consequences. It just ain't going to happen. That's the law of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is God's business. And let me just say this. Sowing and reaping is God's business. It ain't karma's business. I don't even know who karma is. I, I don't know what business a Christian has talking about some reprobate concept that came out of the Far East. Huh? That, that, that's a bunch of garbage that belongs to a bunch of Hindus and a bunch of Buddhists who sit around and uh, sit in a, a monastery all day and put their, their focus on a cotton-picking doorknob and empty their mind of everything. That's a good way to get demon-possessed. And then they sit around and talk about yin and yang and karma. What business does a God-fearing Christian have to talk anything about karma? I don't want no part with her. I'd rather go to a God. Let me tell you something. God is in control of the law of sowing and reaping. He's very much in control of the law of sowing and reaping. But I'll tell you something else. God's a very merciful God. I haven't heard anybody sing the praises of karma lately. I haven't ever heard somebody getting down on their knees and saying, Oh, my soul, I sowed these bad deeds when I was a young man. Job talks about the sins of his youth coming back to get a hold of him. And yet I never heard nobody talking about karma and them getting down on their knees and trying to go and pray to karma and say, Oh, karma, please be merciful to me. You ain't going to cry that way because karma ain't listening to your prayers. She ain't listening to your prayers no more than Baal was listening to the prophets of Baal. That's a, that's a, listen, that's a bunch of foolishness, a bunch of God-fearing Christians proclaiming to be God-fearing Christians talking about karma. We don't believe in karma. I don't believe in luck. Uh, people talk about my lucky stars. I'd like to see those. Where are those at? You talking about Orion's belt or something? I ain't got no lucky stars. I got lucky charms. Those are pretty good sometimes. I don't care a whole lot for the marshmallows. 
And I don't care a whole lot for leprechauns neither, just in case you're wondering. Consequences is the result of God's law. That's the result of God's law. And let me tell you something. God's not mocked. God's not mocked. When they got over there and they crucified our lovely Lord, our Savior, you know what they did before they crucified him? They plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a reed in his hand for a royal scepter, and the Bible says that they bowed the knee in front of him, and they said, Hail, thou king of the Jews. You know what that is? That's mockery. They was mockering. They, they was mocking him. You say, what is mockery? That's somebody who's complying with something. That's somebody who's doing something on the outside with the point of showing contempt and showing derision. That's what mocking is. I'm doing this, but I'm not doing it really sincerely. I'm doing it to make fun of you. I'm doing it to do it as a show so that you feel ridiculous. That's what mockery is. And I'm telling you, God's not mocked. You know, a lot of Christians are just going through the motions, just doing things. And I really believe with all of my heart that it ain't nothing more than just simple old mockery. It ain't nothing more than just simple old mockery. God's not mocked. You know what consequences do? They reveal the nature of an action. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. You know why the wages of sin is death? That's how God shows sinners how bad sin is. You go on and you sin, and you're going to die. Well, that's not, that's not a mean God. That's an honest God. You transgress against God's law. You transgress against God's principles. You transgress against God's precepts. You're going to die. That's just all there is to it. You're going to die. Well, that's God being honest with man about his actions. Consequences exposed. They, they bring out the true nature of an action. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll tell you one verse that has really astounded me in the New Testament, something that I've pondered on. I've read, it through, uh, read through it several times here within the last couple of years. And that's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, somewhere around verse 14 or 15, where he's talking about the, the false apostles and the, the ministers of the devil. And the Bible says they're ministers, they're ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Well, that sounds contradictory. That, that ministers of righteousness, that's, that's the devil's crowd. That's liars. That's cheaters. That's thieves. That's robbers coming up some other way trying to get into the sheepfold other than by the door. That's who they are. But the Bible calls them their ministers of righteousness. And he says, by the way, their end's going to be according to their works. Well, if they're working righteousness, won't they get something good? But well, that's not the insinuation in the verse. The insinuation in the verse is that they go into perdition. They're fixing to go to a place of utter destruction. That's the place that, but it's ministers of righteousness who his end shall be according to the works. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. That's a bunch of mockers. That's a bunch of people who are going through the right motions and they're doing the right things. And what's going to happen eventually, what's going to happen eventually is they're going to turn out, they're going to turn out in the wrong place. And the reason that they're going to turn out in the wrong place is because God is trying to show you, trying to show them, trying to show the world what was really in their heart the whole time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God's going to bring that thing out in the open. You say, how's God going to bring it out in the open? Consequences. He's going to bring it out by consequences. I don't buy much into this idea of people doing right and then getting busted in the nose for it. I don't buy into that. I believe there's persecution that comes for living right. 
I believe that with all my heart. But I don't much buy into this idea to where a man is going to do the right thing and then God's just going to give him trouble and trial and sorrow and heartache one right after another and, t and just don't stop. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. You say, I believe that. Well, you're wrong about that. I believe there's persecution that's going to come. According to the book of Peter, I believe it's 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, the Bible says, I believe it's in 2 Timothy. He said, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But you go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, and he said, if any man suffer as a Christian, there's a possibility that people do not suffer as Christians. They suffer as thieves. They suffer as liars. They suffer as evildoers. Very possible that that's what's going on. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the way of the transgressor is hard. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard, not the way of the righteous man. Not the way of the man that's seeking the Lord. And I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something else about a man that's living right. I'll tell you something else about a fellow that's living right. Even when he begins to get persecuted, he got joy in his heart. He got joy in his heart. People can make fun of him. People can mock at him. And people can poke fun at him and tell him how utterly ridiculous he looks. But I'm telling you, there's something down in his soul. There's something down in his soul that gives him some satisfaction, gives him some contentment, gives him some peace that enables him to sleep at night. And he ain't even got to take no melatonin. That's right. That's right. You say, what is that? That's a product of righteousness. That's a product of walking in God's ways. You say, well, Brother Nathan, you just don't know my situation. I don't have to know your situation. All I've got to know is the Scripture and just preach to you principles. And if the shoe fits, you're going to have to put it on, honey. That's just all there is to it. I don't know where we got off thinking. I don't know where we got off thinking that God has special cases for particular individuals because they're in this particular situation. God doesn't make exceptions for people. God doesn't make exceptions for even His children. God's gracious. God's merciful, God's very long-suffering, and God's very kind. But God's still a just God, and there's still consequences that will come to deal with you eventually at some time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Turn your Bible. Look over in Psalm 94. Look in the book of Psalm chapter 94. You know what gladness is? This is not where we're going, but I'll say this while we're heading there. You go into Psalm 94, but you know what gladness is according to the book of, book of Hebrews? The Bible, talking about Jesus Christ, he said, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. You know what gladness is? It's a consequence. It's a consequence. Gladness is a consequence. Just as sure as sorrow and heartache and the evil that you face on a day-to-day -day basis whether that's a product of your own doing or whether it's a product of your great, 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 great granddaddy Adam, it's a consequence. But you know what gladness is? Just as much as all that evil is a consequence, gladness is a consequence too. You know what's going on in Christianity today? People trying to bypass the action that brings about joy, that brings about that gladness. They're trying to go around that thing. Uh, since since y'all just disappeared all of a sudden, let me just tell you, people are not trying to love righteousness. They're not trying to hate iniquity. Because it's, that's, that's, a, that's an action that brings a consequence, gladness. Oh, I just don't know why I'm so depressed. It's because you like wickedness. Which, listen, let me just tell you something. You're not going to be happy watching people fuss and fight and kill each other and assault each other on television. 
That's an action that brings about a consequence. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Okay, then you're anointed with the oil of gladness. Amen, amen. Look here in Psalm 94. Look in Psalm 94. <clears throat> Verse 20, the Bible says, Shall the throne, that's who he was talking about, right? Jezebel. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee which frameth mischief by law? You know what Jezebel got to the place where she, what she started doing? She thought because she was in a place of authority, she got to make the rules. She forgot, she forgot that even though she was in a place of authority, she still had to go by the rule maker. She still had to submit herself to the, to the ultimate one who really made the rules. Yes, sir. And so the Bible says here, it says, shall the throne of iniquity... Jezebel wanted to live any old way. You know what her consequences were from? From putting Naboth to death because her old spaghetti-spined husband who didn't have enough guts to tell her to shut her mouth. Mm -hmm. He got in there and started bellyaching and whining and complaining after he done went to bed and pouted and moped and cried, Naboth won't give me his vineyard. Ain't you the king of Israel? Give me that ring right off your finger. I'll, I'll handle that for you. So she went out there and had old Naboth put to death. Hey, proclaim a fast, set Naboth up high and accuse him of blaspheming the king and blaspheming God. What, what did she care about God? She's a dirty old reprobate. What did she, she's so dirty that them dogs wouldn't even eat her head. That's pretty bad. They wouldn't even touch the palms of her hands, the Bible said. That's a pretty wicked woman. I mean, if a dog, if a dog's going to leave your hands behind, you must have been doing something real bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Consequences, consequences. Throne of iniquity. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by law? She wanted to make her own rules, but still want a fellowship with God, and it don't work that way. It didn't work that way for Jezebel. It didn't work that way for Solomon. It didn't work that way for Ahab. It didn't work that way for David. It, didn't, it don't matter who you are. You can't come up with mischief. You can't frame mischief by a law and still expect to get down on your knees and pray and have fellowship with God and have sweet communion with God. Brother Nathan, I just don't understand. I try, I try to pray. I try to read. Well, that might be because you've got some trash over here that you need to get rid of while you're trying to get engaged with the Lord. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I believe with all my heart some folks try to get close to God and they can't. They just can't try as hard as they want to, but they can't get close to God. And it's not because, it's not because they ain't doing the right stuff. It's because their heart ain't right. It's because they're proud. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's true. That's true. You can't make up your own rules in fellowship with the Lord. And it don't matter how high up the totem pole you are. It don't matter if you're President Biden real or imagined. It just, it don't make no difference. It don't matter if your name's Jezebel or Nancy Pelosi, same thing. It just, it doesn't make any difference. It makes no difference at all. You can't make up your own rules and fellowship with God, which I recommend on that note, if that's the case, I recommend you get in the Bible and find out what God's rules are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get up, get up, get up in, into that mountain. 
like old Moses did. Get up there and say, God, I want to know what your rules are. Lord, this is the way I think. This is what I believe. This is the way I perceive things. But God, I'm willing for you to come into my heart and mind and just trash all of that and show me what it is, what way it is that you want me to think. I'm willing to be upset, Lord. I just want to be right. We're living in the day and age of everything's relative. Nothing's absolute. So nobody can point their fingers at something and say, that's absolute truth. That's absolutely truth. Nobody can do that anymore because everything's relative. It all has to do with your truth. You ain't got no truth, doofus. It's all God's. God owns the monopoly on truth. Yes, he does. And if he owns the monopoly on truth, then you're not going to get next to him doing whatever you want to. You're going to have to put down your rules and pick up God's. Yes, sir. Don't matter. Don't matter how far up the totem pole you think you are. Let me say this. Your thoughts determine your consequences. What you think about is going to determine your consequences. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, what, you know what's very scary about that? You know what's very scary about that? That tells me that long before a guy like Ted Bundy ever carried out the atrocities that he carried out, there was a long line of evil thinking that preceded all that foolishness. I just don't think they should have put that fella to death. How old was that fella when they put him to death? 30s? Somewhere in his 30s? You're telling me a guy sat around for at least, for at least, a fella said, I watched the interview that, that he had with James Dobson, which I'm not a huge fan of James Dobson, but I watched the interview anyway. He said, where'd you get your start? He said, sitting in the bathroom of my grandpa's bathroom looking at Playboy magazine. He said, little boy, let's say he's somewhere around 10 years old. I just don't think they should have put that fella to that. They should have just given him. Life in prison. You're telling me, listen, you're telling me that a fellow that has a history of about 20 years of that kind of wicked thinking deserves to be around who would go past the stage of thinking that stuff and go out to the place of executing that foolishness? No, sir. Take away that take that fellow away. He'd not fit to live. He'd not fit to live. He'd not fit to breathe the same air that I'm breathing. I don't care if that hair lips you or hair lips your grandma. He'd not fit. He's not fit to breathe the same air that I'm breathing. Yes, sir. Oh, that just sounds very proud. Listen, all it is is that your thoughts determine your consequences. That's all there is to it. Long, listen, long before, long before somebody ever gets in bed with another person's spouse, there's a long line of wicked thinking. I, I really don't have a whole lot of sympathy. I just really don't have a whole lot of sympathy. I, I used to, I'd be honest with you, I used to have a lot of sympathy for these fellows that have slipped out with another man's wife, preachers I'm talking about. I used to be in that frame of mind of thinking, you know, oh, my soul, man, the devil really got them. I mean, boy, they just really tripped up. Which I won't doubt that the devil did get them. But, buddy, you knew exactly what you was heading in for. I don't have much sympathy for them. I, amen. I, have, I don't have any sympathy for them. Listen, if, if I know fellas that are in their 50s and 60s and 70s, preachers, 60s and 70s right now, they haven't slipped up, why, why did those other fellas do it? It's just choices. That's all, that there, that's all there is to it. 
And I'll tell you what's going to lead you to the place to where you're going to make the wrong choices. It's your wrong thinking. It's your wrong thinking. Listen, I don't know how it is that some of you think you can get away with reading one or two verses out of the Scripture every day. I don't know how you think you can get away with that. I preach. I preach. How many times do I preach? Three times, four times a week now. Once on the radio, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I have to listen to preaching pretty well near all day, every day, just to keep my mind out of the gutter. I don't know how you... Maybe you're a better person than I am. That, that's very well possible. I wouldn't doubt that at all. All you folks sitting in here, you're probably just a lot better of a person than I am. But you ain't so good that you're going to be able to operate off of two verses a day. I just don't believe it. I, I really don't believe that you can get away keeping your mind in the right place. You know what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah? It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You know why some folks sit around and they're troubled about everything and their grandma? You know why you sit around and you're bothered about everything? Because you're not thinking about the Lord. And your thoughts, listen, your thoughts are going to determine your Consequences. You know what the Bible says in the book of Psalm chapter 10, talking about the wicked man? It says that God is not in all his thoughts. It's a consequence, my friend. It is a consequence. Brother Nathan, I sure do sit around and worry about such and such, and I worry about such and such. And I tell you, there's some things you should be concerned about. Some stuff you should be worried about. But I tell you, a lot of that worry could be cured if you just start thinking about things that are true, thinking about things that are holy and pure and just, righteous. Mm -hmm. Quit worrying about what everybody else is saying about you. Start worrying about what God thinks about you. Let me tell you how to keep your testimony clean. Be concerned with what the Lord thinks. You, you just, you live to where, listen, you live to where you're just concerned about what God thinks about you and, and aspire to keep your testimony clean to that degree. I guarantee you, you'll turn out right. Your thoughts, your thoughts determine your consequences. Your thoughts determine your consequences. The root problem with God being absent from a man's thoughts is that that fellow ain't seeking the Lord. And you know why? You know why a man won't seek God? Because he's proud. That's all there is to it. Your thoughts determine your consequences. And let me say this, your attitude determines your consequences. Here we are again dealing with the old attitude. Ephesians chapter 4, here we come. It is on the outside. It is a manifestation of the things that you do. But God's also interested in your attitude. The Bible says the integrity of the upright is going to guide him. But the perverseness of transgressors is going to destroy him. You know what that perverseness is? That's being unyielding. I got a thing going on in my home. I've been dealing with my wife. No, I'm just kidding. It's not my wife. I got a thing going on in my home to where I got little midgets running around to where all they want to do is just bicker with each other. Just bicker, 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 bicker. I want to fight over stupid stuff. I, that's, that's what kids do. That's okay. That's what mamas and daddies are for. Thump them on the head and say, shut your mouth. Quit arguing about dumb stuff. Just bicker, just bicker. Wah, wah, wah. You know what it is? Bad attitude. That left unchecked, somebody don't jump in there and intervene and say, Hey, stop! 
Of course, I will tell you that in a lot of homes, it comes from mama and daddy. And I'm not talking about necessarily mama and daddy going at each other's throat. A lot of times it's coming from mama to the kids or from daddy to the kids. It's just, and then the kids look at each other because if they do it to mom and daddy, mom and daddy's going to knock their teeth out or something along those lines and should, should. But they're not going to do that to mom and daddy, so they look at each other. Well, your attitude's going to determine your consequences. Your attitude is going to determine your consequences. Be ye kind one to another. I ain't there yet in Ephesians 4, but I'll go ahead and preach on it because it's good preaching nonetheless. Be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Mm -hmm. The only tender thing in some of y'all's house is that T-bone steak sitting on your plate. Everything else is tough as shoe leather. Some of y'all hard-hearted towards one another. I, I'm not talking about in the church. I'm talking about in the privacy of your own home. And no, I don't have no plants in your house. Nobody's been coming down to me and telling me what's going on. Yes, sir, just hard-hearted towards one another. Why? Why? Those are the people that you live with. Those are the people that you should love the most. I mean, you should get in more fights with the people down at church than the folks in your own house. Well, they just don't think like I do. Why not? You're exerting the influence on them. They're just not like me. I don't know how we're on this, but I, I, I ride with it. I just take it as from the Lord, just Lord letting it come down from the heavens. Manna, manna, what is that? That's what manna is. What's that? It's preaching. Duh. Mm-hmm. Mean. Just mean. It's your attitude. Somebody tried to say hello and... Listen, on the surface, that's a light issue. It really is a light issue. But that is going to determine your consequences. Somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road, something's going to take place. Well, the thing has already taken place. The action's already taken place, and that's going to take you to a road of destruction. Mom and Daddy give you instructions, and you slough that off and act like it's not a big deal. Consequences for that. Consequences aren't necessarily now, but they'll come. And when they come, God have mercy on you. Let me stop here and just say this. That applies in the other direction just as well, just as much. Mom and Daddy give you instructions and you take it to heart and you listen. I have watched that on both sides. I've watched that on both sides. Good cop, bad cop. I grew up in a church on the same pew with my brother. I watched my brother make dumb mistakes. I watched my brother. I'd say this if my brother was here. My brother would probably tell you this if he was here himself. Sat on the same pew with my brother and my brother hardened his heart towards not only preaching, towards the direction of his mama and daddy and there wasn't nothing but hell to pay for that fella. I learned from his mistakes. When my daddy and my mama told me something, I took it to heart. I didn't always like it but I did my best to be obedient, did my best to be respectful. One time my daddy found me doing something that I didn't want him to catch me. I thought he was going to kill me. Oh, my soul. I thought my daddy was going to, really, really, I thought he was going to kill me. Another time, my daddy caught me cheating on my homeschool. 
told my soul. You say, what'd you do? I tried to find a rug to hide under. I had a big queen-size bed in my room. And I remember my dad coming in with that blood vessel I told you about the other day on his forehead. His whole forehead turned red, and that one, that one blood vessel turned blue. We'll just leave it right there. You say, he got physical with you? He didn't have to. As a matter of fact, after he got done saying what, what he said, he didn't say nothing vile. But boy, after he got done saying what he said, I'd have wished he'd have just picked me up and thrown me out the second-story window in the house where we was at. That's how bad I felt. You say, what's that all about? There's consequences for that kind of reaction. There's consequences. There's consequences for that kind of attitude. A kid that has that kind of attitude, a child, I hate to call you teenagers children, but from the scripture, that's how you're still labeled. So no offense, but that's just the scriptural labor, label. But listen, a kid that'll take the attitude of being that afraid of offending mama and daddy, there's consequences for that. I don't understand. I really don't understand this modern day attitude of kids taking their fist and all but waving it in mom and daddy's faces and saying, blank you. I don't understand that. I love my mom and daddy too much. Of course, Maybe their parents gave them a reason to hate them. Brother Mark tells the story of a little girl coming up to him at youth camp and saying, I wish you were my daddy. And he said, why is that, young lady? She said, because you'd have whooped me. That, that ain't nowhere in my notes. I, I'm not, this is just, just preaching. And it sure is quiet, though. But I'm telling you, your attitudes, listen, parents, your attitudes towards your children, children, your attitude towards your parents, that is going to take you to a certain place one day. And listen, I can guarantee you, I, listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, it's a foreign concept to me. It's a foreign concept to me. I don't really understand this attitude of kids looking at their parents and saying they don't know what they're talking about. I have never... You like this or you lump it, you take it as me bragging, you take it as me just talking into the air. I, I couldn't give a rip. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I've never looked at my parents and said they don't know what they're talking about. I've never done that. Fifteen years old, my daddy's somewhere in his 40s. I think my daddy probably knows a thing or two that I don't know. You've got to be stupid to think your parents don't know more than you. you I mean... I mean, stupid's too kind of a word. You've got to be mentally retarded. You just, you ain't got no sense. I'm going to get out on my own. I'm going to get a job. And I'm going to make some money. I'm going to get an apartment. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And you are going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. And you know where you're going to have to make it right? You're going to have to make it right by going back to that stupid daddy, to that stupid mama, and apologizing to him, saying, you knew a lot more than I thought you did. That's where you're going to have. And for some of you, it's going to be too late by the time you realize it. It's just going to be over. The opportunity is going to be gone. They're going to be dead and in the grave. God be merciful to you. God be merciful to you. I, I hope, I hope you realize it soon. Mom and daddy know something. Your attitude's going to determine your consequences. Listen, if you can't take a soft attitude towards mom and daddy, what makes you think you're going to take a soft attitude towards the Lord? 
You ain't, you ain't going to soften your heart towards God. You're not going to soften your heart towards a husband. You're not going to soften your heart towards a wife. You're not going to be able to love that gal like she needs to be loved. You're not going to be able to love that fellow like he needs to be loved. If you can't soften your heart towards the instruction of mama and daddy and say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You ain't going to be able to love them. All you're concerned about is loving you. All you're concerned about is what makes you happy. And listen, I'll just, I'll tell you, everybody's that way to a certain extent, and you better run from it as quickly as you can. You better start figuring that out about yourself right now. I'm the most crooked person that I know, and I have somehow got to learn to put others before myself. Got to learn. You learn that first with mom and daddy. You say, why? Because your attitude's going to determine your consequences. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It'll help you. I promise. I'm not. It'll help you. Attitudes determine consequences. And then let let me say lastly, your speech determines your consequences. What you say. The funniest thing to me is to stand around a fella who says, GD this and GD this, and GD this, and all he has is damnation everywhere he turns. I mean, that's what you've been saying the whole time. You've been asking the Lord to damn everything around you. He's doing it. Just, just count it as answered prayer, stupid. Take your Bible and look in Psalm 109. Look at this, Psalm 109. Look in verse 15. Verse 15 describes Jezebel. This is Psalm 109, verse 15. Let them be before the Lord continually that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. You think about that. You you know why? I don't know if you ever thought about this. Why would God, as punishment towards Jezebel, say that the dogs are going to eat you? So they can't bury her. That's so they can't come to a specific place and say... This was old grandma. Sure do have a lot of good memories about granny. Can't do that with Jezebel. You say, why? Because the dogs came and ate her and did what dogs do. And it's laying out there in the field somewhere, and you couldn't find her with a laser beam and a microscope. That's pretty rough. Look at what it says in verse 16. Because of that he remembered not to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and needy man. There's, there's Naboth that he might even slay the broken in heart. Verse 17, as he loved cursing, so let it come unto him. As he delighted not in blessing, so let it be far from him. As he clothed himself with cursing like as with his garment, so let it come into his bowels like water, drinking up, drinking up that stuff just like water and like oil into his bones. Let it be unto him as, a, as the garment which covereth him, and for a girdle wherewith he is girded continually. God says, God says, you like to curse, do you? You like to curse? You like to let filthiness come out of your mouth? Here you go. Put this on. Here's some cursing for you. You can wear this around everywhere you go. And not only is it going to be a curse to you, you're going to be a curse to everyone else everywhere you go. Where you get that from? Achan. God said, don't take that accursed thing. In the book of Leviticus, might be Numbers, might be Deuteronomy. I think it's in Leviticus or Numbers, though. He said, don't take the accursed. He said, when you go in to conquer a city, he said, don't take of the accursed thing, lest thou become a curse like it. You know what Achan did? He took the accursed thing. You know what he did? He became a curse to the whole nation of Israel. You like to curse, do you? 
You like to let filthy things come out of your mouth? You like to talk about things that you shouldn't talk about? Here you go. You can just go ahead and put it on like a garment. You just wear it around. God said, I'll put a mark on you to where everybody knows the reason that trouble's coming their way is because of you. Where you get that from? Jonah. Hey, arise, O sleeper. Call upon thy God. I don't have to pray. What do you mean? I'm an Israelite. I'm running from God. This whole storm is my fault. Huh. Well, man, we don't want to throw the guy overboard. Let's throw over everything else that we got. The Bible says they took all their wares. This is in Jonah chapter 1. They took all their wares and they threw it overboard. Last resort. Got on their knees and said, God, if you'll just give us some peace, we'll throw this guy overboard. They threw him overboard and storm stopped. Jonah, Jonah did not obey God immediately. Okay, that's all that song I know. As he loved cursing, so let it come unto him. As he delighted not in blessing, so let it be far from him. Listen, I, don't, I, I, hope, I hope you stop and think about this. If you ain't seen blessing in a long time, could it be because you haven't blessed somebody else? Maybe the reason that God's so stingy with his blessings towards you is because you're so stingy with your blessings towards other folks. And I'm really just talking about with your mouth. I'm not talking about your wallet. Don't, don't panic. Don't have a heart attack. You want to know how to kill a Baptist? Shoot him in the wallet. Get him every time. I'm just talking about with your speech. When's the last time you gave somebody a blessing with something that you said? Well, if you don't do that, if all you got to say is just bitterness and cursing, then why should it be any surprise when it floats back your way? Now, let me say this. Let me say this, and we'll close. That's a pretty negative message. And I don't mean a mean message. I don't mean an unkind message. It's just presented in a negative light. Let me present the same, the same principle in a positive light. You ready? You know, what, you know what forgiveness is? It's a consequence. It's a consequence. It's a consequence of the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he bled and died for you, a wicked old sinner. It's a consequence. And it's a consequence of the fact that if you'll admit that you're wrong, Find a place of repentance. don't have to be down here. It's good. It's good. But it don't have to be here. It could be in the privacy of your own house. It could be right there in your chair. You find a place of repentance and get out on your knees and say, God, I am sorry. If you're lost, God, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. If you're saved and you backslid, get out on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry for the way that I'm doing things. That's a right action. It's a right attitude. It's a right speech. It's the right way of thinking. Repentance. It's the right way of thinking. You know what you get out of that? You get right consequences. Brother Pedro, back in the Old Testament, God told him, he said, he told Israel, he said, if you'll do what I say, if you'll be obedient to my principles and my precepts, God said, when you go out to sow your field, he said, when it comes time to reap, he said, the the guy that's reaping is going to overtake the guy that's sowing. He said, you're going to reap so much that you're just going to keep reaping and keep reaping and keep reaping way past its time to go back and re-sow. You say, what is that? That's a consequence. 
That's the kind of God that you serve. God's a God to be feared. But He's a very merciful God. He's a very gracious God. That same God that will bring negative consequences your way for being disobedient is the same God that will bring positive consequences your way. If you'll line yourself up with Him. Some of you folks in here are great examples of that. Some of you got in this church. When you came to this church, you was cold. You was far from God. Maybe you was babies in the Lord. Some of you was far along in your spiritual walk, but maybe just trying to grow a little bit. You got in this church, and you begin to line yourself up with God's principles. You begin to line yourself up with God's book, and God has turned around and blessed you left and right. Some of you folks got more than you ever dreamed you thought you'd have. You say, what is that? That's consequences. It's God. Law of sowing and reaping. God's a merciful God. What you sowing? What you sowing tonight? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You need to do business with God tonight. I'm going to give you an invitation. You need to do business. Why don't you come down and find a place and pray? Find a place and do business with God. Maybe you've been sowing the wrong kind of seed. Well, tonight would be a good time to just reset the doer and start doing the right thing. Start sowing some good seed. Start sowing the right thing. God spoke to your heart. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? God, help us tonight, Lord. We pray, God, as we, Lord, give this invitation. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, God. Lord, help us as a people. God, help us as Christians, Lord, to love you with all of our hearts, God. And help us, Lord, not to sit around and be idle. God, help us, Lord, not to sit around, God, and, Lord, rest on our leaves or rest on our laurels. God, I really pray with all my heart, Lord, that you'd help us, God, to dedicate ourselves Lord, to righteousness, Lord, to love and righteousness and hate and iniquity. God, Lord, help us, Lord, to see the consequences that will come out of that. God, thank you, Lord, for being ever so faithful. God, as these have come, Lord, I pray that you'd help them. God, bless them, Lord, whatever you've dealt with them about. We'll thank you for it. These are down here at the altar. You do business with the Lord as he leads.